You're listening to the Working It Out podcast, part of the Humans of Hit Network. I'm Alex, and I'm here to look into what inspires those we look to for motivation. I want to understand their real relationship with physical activity and the barriers they've had to break through to be happy, but also successful. On today's episode, we have Michelle Ogundahin, who is internationally renowned as an authority on interiors, trends and style. She is an influencer with expertise and the multi-award winning former editor-in-chief of L Decoration UK. She is also the author of Happy Inside, where she shares her philosophy on the link between homes and well-being. I can't wait to find out how physical activity influences her and her home. Hello, Michelle. Hello, good morning or good afternoon, wherever anyone's listening to it. Really excited to be here. Thank you very much. I'm really excited about this one as well, because it's another completely different episode, which I'm, I've created some questions which hopefully show completely different sides to not only you, but your thoughts on the health and fitness industry as well. Great. No. Oh, sorry. So what we're going to do first is ask you about our, well, tell you about our community. So welcome to the Humans Fit community. We ask everyone who's coming into the community to bring one item with them. So that could be, and you're going to put it in our Humans of Fit locker. That could be anything from, we've had pull, a pull-up bar to a jock strap to a pair of H&M socks. So it could be absolutely anything. We've got a huge locker. What one item would you bring into the locker? It's such a great question because it really gave me pause for thought. But in the end, I realised I have this little pair of, um, I guess you'd call them hand weights, and they're each three pounds each. And I realised that actually I brought these back from when I used to live in New York. I rented an apartment there and they were just left in the apartment. And I just kind of love them because they're made of metal. So I think maybe they're stainless steel or something. They're kind of shiny and they're a little bit rusted in places. But I brought them all the way back, like paid weight to carry those things back. And I've had them ever since. And they sit sort of just on the, the sideboard in my living room because they're actually really quite lovely items. So I, I will lend them to you, but I won't give them to you because I actually do use them almost every single day. That's amazing. So that's what definitely a question. I've got a whole topic around your home and how possibly over the last 12 months you've had to possibly integrate fitness into your home. So I really want to get into that. And it's good to know that you do just have a pair of dumbbells just on your in your living room ready to go. So yep. when you you were in New York, was it was was that when you first bought them or what was the what was the reason why they were why they're in your home? Um, they, they were just left there. I didn't buy them. They just someone had abandoned them there. And I just I liked them as objects, which is why I'm quite happy to have them on my sideboard, because I think they're quite beautiful. So, you know, you see a lot of people that a um, lot of the sort of very cheap ones in the shops are kind of bright pink or blue or something like that. And I think they're quite ugly. So these are they're metal and they're gorgeous and they're beautiful. So they sort of just they just sit there and they don't look particularly out of place or odd. But for me, exercise is just about making it easy. So if they're right there, then there's more chance I'll do it. I mean, I liken it a bit to, you know, you have your bathroom cleaning solutions in the bathroom because then you're more likely to just give things a quick spritz. But if you leave it all downstairs in the kitchen under the sink, then to come all the way downstairs to get it and go all the way back upstairs, it's just not going to happen. So I think exercise, you just, just have to make it as easy for yourself as possible. And then it has to be a habit, like cleaning your teeth. I completely agree, completely agree. So we've got your one item. And now what the next bit is we do one emotion. So we ask people what 
one emotion, the first word that comes into their head when they when I say what comes into your head when you think about physical activity and working out, what's that one feeling that you feel? Um, balancing. Balancing. That's a, yeah. a great word. Could you go into more detail? I'm, I'm guessing not the art of balancing on one leg. <laughs> no, I'm actually fantastically unbalanced in that way sometimes. You know, you see those people doing um, the aerobics and everyone kind of butterflies across the room. Never been able to do that. I'm always going the wrong way with the wrong arm up and the wrong leg out and all that stuff. But no, it's more balancing my mood. So it's um, I find exercise mood boosting. So I, I do it for my brain as much as my body because exercise has, has been proven to kind of build new brain cells it just it's that whole act of getting your blood pumping and reaching all the parts that it's supposed to and it protects you it protects you against alzheimer's and dementia and all of those things and it's it's even proven to improve your memory and focus so my motivation is primarily and always that it's like it makes me feel better it makes me feel therefore more balanced and in the last 12 months, particularly so when the pressures have been heaping on with trying to work, you know, the horror of homeschooling, 24-7 childcare, all of these things mounted on top of each other, it's enough to push anyone overboard. But I found resorting to exercise, it's a really holistic and wholesome and healthy way of just getting myself back to the center. That alongside meditation, I have quite a strong meditation practice, but the two things together, they just, they keep me, keep me on a level. That's amazing. I think if I was a better man, which my friends know I'm, I'm awful at, um, I would have said you would have said the word happy because uh, going through your website and a lot of the posts you make, there's a lot of, you can, you can tell that you use the word happy a lot in, in a lot of things you do. Is that is that how you feel when you think of activity? Do you, does it make you feel happy or is that, does it make you feel a bit anxious or how do you feel when you think, when you think like that? Well, I think I probably deliberately didn't use the word happy because happy can be quite loaded, can't it? It can be like, oh, happy, happy, clappy. That means, you know, you have to be happy. And, uh, you know, we don't have to be happy. Human beings are composed of a whole range of emotions, all of which are completely right and healthy and and how we should be, you know, if someone was always kind of 10 out of 10, I think there'd be something a little bit wrong with them. So I, I use the word mood boosting, but, or to mean a state of kind of contentment. It's a state where I feel well rested, where I feel kind of energized and where I feel like ready for the day. And that, that to me is my sort of definition of happy, or maybe I would say I'm talking more about well-being then. To me, happy is a state of well-being and well-being is a level of contentment and restedness and energised or feeling energised. I think well-being is such a, well, such a huge topic to cover because when people do naturally associate well-being with mental well-being and negative mental well-being, when it, if people focus on, on what positive steps they can make to improve their lives that is them focusing on their their well-being so in terms of like you're saying balancing and focusing on how you can balance everything around you to, that in turn makes you happy so i see how your those emotions are quite can be quite closely linked 
Exactly. So, and, and also it's this idea that when we think about well-being, I think a lot of people think, oh, OK, that's like yoga bunnies and kind of mindfulness. And yet sort of my argument and certainly the kind of the premise of my book, which, as you said, is called Happy Inside, is that well-being or well-being is composed of more than just good food and exercise. It is also our environment and what surrounds you. And these three things form these kind of fundamental pillars, which each can be tackled kind of in a different way. But it's, it's about using everything in our arsenal to kind of support ourselves. Because, you know, life is tough. Life is busy. And it's definitely got more so in the last 12 months. So it's about trying to arm people with really easily accessible ways that they can absolutely kind of physically and mentally impact the way they feel. And the better I feel or you feel, the better impact you have then on the next person. And it becomes a ripple effect. So it's a kind of sort of self-care that's also very expansive. You know, I will be a better um, writer, a better mother, a better parent, a better kind of daughter, all of those things, if I look after myself. And so for me, it's like, it's a priority. It's like, put your oxygen mask on first. I'm just... My heart's so warm right now. It's, <laughs> I'm listening to this going, just, yes, yes. And I completely agree with everything you're saying. And the part I'm quite interested in now is to look at you throughout your journey to now in terms of your relationship with physical activity. Um, what was it like growing up? What, were, were you into sport? Were you, did we, did you, was it a big part of your school life? What, tell me a bit about your history. Um. It's funny, I don't particularly remember it at primary school, but in secondary school, I used to do a lot of long distance running. We had an athletics club. And so I did, um, well, 400s, not middle distance, but I did 400, 800 and 1500, with 800 being my kind of the length that suited my physique. I was pretty kind of tall and skinny, basically. Yeah, because it's sort Same. of you know, a bit of a burst of strength, but it's not about just kind of bulk strength it's also about kind of longevity isn't it so it was the perfect kind of length for me but then I also got into cross-country running but the running for me was just it was kind of like just so freeing you know when I think when you're a child and you're growing up there's actually so little that you have control over you know where you go to school where you live what you eat what you wear all of so many things but I think running for me was it's just it was just so liberating you know just ran and I have one kind of very strong memory of a kind of cross-country race where you know it was kind of tedious and slow and I think it was raining a bit and it was a bit cold and I just wanted to get to the end and the very last bit of it everyone was kind of picking their way along kind of the side of these two verges because it was really muddy in the middle and I remember kind of approaching this bit and just thinking right so I could either just like queue along with everyone else or I could just run through the mud you know and so I just thought oh sod it and just just plonked my way right through all of the mud and I think I sort of came in then sort of second by default because it was just like oh let's just get home and be done with this thing but I just I still love that feeling of when you're outdoors and you feel your blood pumping or even like if you're kind of trying to sort of find a quiet moment I find it very difficult to follow my breath which is often what people say to do I just I get distracted and then it goes faster and slower and whatever but if you listen to your heartbeat I kind of visualize it and I visualize the blood pumping and you kind of have a sort of vague idea of where all the main organs and veins are. And I just love to just sit and sort of take a moment and just 
imagine that oh pumping and at the same time it's kind of like as it's pumping it's cleaning and you know you've got your white blood vessels you know your lymph which is only kind of moved around your body by physical motion which is like what cleans your body what gets rid of all the kind of the gunk and the shitty bits and we need to move to get that stuff going and so I think the sort of power of just visualizing this cleaning through my body like getting rid of viruses and bacteria is just it's very strong and I find that very soothing because it's it's you know our bodies are the most incredibly engineered pieces of machinery and yet I often despair that people spend more time looking after their cars you know we are legally obliged to service our cars every year and even if you kind of wash your car it's that way of sort of checking what's going on with it making sure everything's all kind of together and right nothing's fallen off why do we not do this with our bodies so for me exercise is kind of feeling like okay what bits are pulling what bits have got stiff because it's quite quick if you realize you've done a whole week and you maybe you've been sort of a bit more sedentary than normal you start to stiffen up in places so we need to be aware of that but not be afraid of it and think okay then I need to move that bit of my body more and keep keep the joints oiled basically and top up the antifreeze and all of that stuff I like the the car metaphor. That's that's amazing. Um, what I want to unpick pack first is any influences. What was it the in terms of running? Was there anyone who influenced you in, into that? Because you said it made you feel free. Was there any? Did you have any role models throughout that period? Who you thought, oh, I would like to do eight hundred meters like then, or is it naturally just like you say it was the one that you you were best at? Oh, yeah, I see. I didn't quite answer your question, did I? Um, no, no, this is, no, it's fine. We found out perfectly about you. But no, I was just quite interested to see if you had any role, role models as well around the same period. No, it's a, it's a good point. I, My father, probably, I have a fantastic picture of him when he was probably about 18, kind of doing, um, what was it called? Is it called the Frosby flip when you do high jump and you bend over kind of backwards? And it's this brilliant black and white photograph of him sort of bent half over this sort of high jump. And I still have it framed today. And that was always sort of on the wall at home. And he loved athletics, loved sport, football, all of that stuff, but loved athletics. So it was always kind of, Michelle, come and watch, come and watch. And I swear to this day, it makes me cry. I, I literally cannot watch any sporting event without crying. And I think it's something to do with just, you know how much they want to win. So you're, I'm there and I'm there and I'm watching and they cross that line and you just, it just tips something off in me. But it's the same kind of thing. It's like, you know, when you see someone running for a bus or a train, <laughs> I always have to stop and go, yeah, come on, come on, you can do it, you can get there, go on. And it's like, and it's the same, I don't know, that sort of desire for achievement and sort of physical excellence. So I guess it was just always there in terms of it was very normalized. So to watch these people and just think, wow, that is the fastest man in the world. And particularly, um, he used to love the relay, particularly the four by uh, 100 men's relay. And to watch that, it's just like, this is, look at these people, look at those bodies and the teamwork and the handover and it has to be done in this certain kind of the box. There was just something about that that I would just think this is the definition of kind of poetry in motion. And I guess that ties into my sort of more holistic sense of exercises that I see it as a celebration of what the body can do. I don't do it to lose weight or, or sculpt my body or anything like that. If these things happen as a side effect, then brilliant, whatever. But I'm not going to punish myself. If I want to eat what I eat, I'm going to eat what I eat. That's a separate thing. But exercise to me is about, it's about using your body and looking at those people and just think, wow, 
can you believe it? That person can run faster than anyone in the whole world. And then people like Dame Kelly with doing all those different disciplines. It's just, I find it inspiring. I mean, I'll never be at that level, but I, I love to watch it. I went to the Paralympics and saw David Weir win gold medal and I just won his gold medal and I remember being in, in the stadium and everyone around me was crying. Everyone was screaming at the top of their lungs. It was, and it, I've never been in, a, in a, any atmosphere like it before because everyone just so wanted him to win and he was going for it and everyone was screaming. I looked around, yeah, there was people everywhere, men, women, both just crying. And it was, it was such a surreal experience that people could connect with another person who they've, they've never met like that through sport. And I, it, was, it was a really powerful moment. And I think the Olympics and the Paralympics definitely did do that for a lot of people because they, they would, like yourselves, there's a lot of people who, who wouldn't necessarily watch athletics, but then they would watch the Olympics and then they would watch the 100 metres because everyone wanted to see Usain Bolt or whoever the person was at the time. But then there were so many people at this Paralympics because they wanted to just be part of that London experience, cheering someone on who they probably have never met before, but because they were part of GB, they, they were crying for them. It was a really powerful moment. Oh God, it's giving me goosebumps hearing you say that. I've literally brought tears to my eyes because I can just, I can feel it. And I can, and particularly the Paralympics because there's so many people say, oh, I don't have time or oh, my back's a bit dicky or whatever. And it's like, these people have like limbs missing and they're still doing, or they can't see or whatever. And they are not letting it hold them back and they are at their peak. And this is extraordinary. I mean, what greater kind of inspiration could you possibly find I mean it's just but yeah my god you've literally I've got tears in my eyes (laughs) I'm there I'm there with you it's the ultimate empathy isn't it I'm just like oh my god come on that's why our first episode was with Lauren Stedman paratriathlete she's what she's a world champion and I asked her what barriers she's had to participation she's a limb amputee and she said she said none I've had no barriers at all she was I was netball captain I was this captain I was that captain and it is just a complete mental state when it when it comes to those things and they she was really inspiring as well so you're you're so right I mean I think that is the thing exercise is a mindset which is why I always say to people you have to just make it like a habit it has to almost kind of bypass the thinking bit of your brain so I mean for me I do it first thing in the morning so I wake up at about 6 30 and I do um, a meditation which at the moment it's it's a kind of it's one that's like a soundtrack that is supposed to fast track your brain to like the the what do you call it the resonance of if you were in a very deep meditation so it is it's a kind of like let's get on with this <laughs> quite one but that's for an hour and then I um, my son comes in and we have what we call cuddle time and then the next thing I do is it's up and do the exercise but I do it I have to be up and just doing it before I'm thinking about it so I kind of don't give my time myself time to opt out and I swear in honesty there is not a morning where I think, yes, let's get up and do workout. I do not. I want to stay in bed. I want to stay cuddling. Maybe I just want to eat something. But you just get up and he knows as well. It's like I just get, you know, roll out the mat and I'm on it and I'm doing it. And that's that's all there is to it. And pretty old school as well. I just have a bunch of DVDs. Oh, <laughs> Probably wow. the last woman standing still with a DVD player. And it's well, I did like 45 minutes of Pilates this morning because they're divided into 10 minute slots. So most of my exercise DVDs I can 
dip in and out so I can think, okay, I'll do arms or I'll do glutes or I'll do all over or do aerobic or a bit of bar exercise or hit or whatever. So just to switch it around because otherwise it's boring. But um, so today, yeah, I did like 45 minutes of Pilates and it's kind of done before I've kind of thought about it. And then how great do you feel afterwards? I am exactly the same. Well, pre-COVID, I was exactly the same. I've spoken many times about how my my timetable and schedule with physical activity has changed because of COVID. But before that, I would set my alarm 5.55, roll out of bed, and I'll be in the gym at quarter past six because I live right next to it. But I would... I would just roll out of bed and I, by the time I've woken up, I've finished my workout <laughs> before I've realised where I'm at and what I'm doing, I'm done. And I'm like, oh, okay, I've done an hour's exercise today, get my train to work and I'll finish at five and I'm done for the day. It was brilliant. So yeah, I completely understand about just waking up and autopilot, just getting it done because it's good for you. So yeah, I was it's completely the same. The same way that we clean our teeth. You know, we don't think about cleaning our teeth, but we do it because we know it's good for us and it's just done. We have to just make it the same thing. And it takes a while to embed that. But then once you do and you start feeling the kind of the benefits of it, just feeling like kind of more balanced, more toned, you feel stronger, you feel more energetic. I've started off with kind of literally 10 minutes, then built it up to sort of 30. And I have um, the Apple Watch as well that is set. I set the um, so that 30 minutes of exercise is my minimum. And I think maybe it's probably about like 9,000 steps, actually, just to make sure I <laughs> kind of hit it. But it's just the same thing that, you know, that I, if I've hit all those goals pretty well before the day's even started, it's like, okay, you know, you give it, you're giving yourself this kind of little boost. Like, yeah, I've done that. I did that already because it was important to me. And I prioritizing that is just, it just has so many benefits. So, so we've looked at, We've, we're working up until you, through your childhood, we've spoken about your father, but then you've got your children as well. So how is your mindset, which you, you can tell you're passionate about just your health and well-being, how is your mindset um, passed on to, the, to your children? What, do, you, do you try to heavily influence what they do, their activity, or are you a bit more relaxed with them? I'm pretty relaxed in that I think actually the best way to encourage your children is um, you model the behaviour that you want to see. So he sees me exercise every day. So again, probably like my father did for me, it's just normalized that that's what we do. And I say is like, well, I want to be strong. I want to be healthy. I want to be able to look after you. That's why I do this. And so we also have dogs. So every day we walk those. And I'm very honest as well. You know, if it's raining or looking a bit miserable, you just think, oh, I don't really want to go out. But we have dogs and it's our responsibility. We need to keep them fit and well. So come on, wrap up, out we go. You know, no such thing as bad weather, only the wrong clothing. And we trudge out together and we use it as our time to talk and chat. And again, it's sort of it's just sort of done. And we walk everywhere where possible. And if we're going, say, to the supermarket, then he has a little backpack on. And it's like, well, yeah, why shouldn't you? You put carry some stuff. And and so I think it's just it's just that. And then I do encourage him, you know, that there's been that has been the hardest thing about lockdown for him and me is that as boys you know they need exercise he needs to run off that stuff which I hadn't quite appreciated but previously you know he did something called the daily mile club so that was like before school they just run around their playground for a while and then in school obviously they're running then he would play football on a Saturday and go to like a ninjas club this was just built in as part of the activity when all of that stopped in the very first lockdown I mean he went a bit nuts and I yeah, can imagine 
actually know what to do with it. And I, I think I literally put something out on Instagram kind of saying, uh, okay, not for a friend, for me, what the hell? What do I do? I don't know what to do. And I was sort of told like, actually, you need to do play fighting, do pillow fights. You, you need to get that energy out. And so we just had to build that into the schedule, but over and above our kind of like daily hour, it was just like, wow, you do, you need to hit some pillows. <laughs> so yeah, I can, can tell you turning 30 this year and that's not gonna change. When we hit lockdown, I <laughs> I was like, I had so much energy. I was like, right, I'm still going to do the workouts every day. That's kind of how Humours of Fit started. People started joining in workouts with me through Zoom. And then I, was, I still had so much energy. So I didn't jet, jet wash my, my deck in. I you got a still brush and I brushed off all the old algae because I had so much energy to do it. I've made a bench, a planter that I love talking about. I love <laughs> made them out of pallets. And I just had so much energy built up. Even though I was doing a full-time job, I just had so much where I wasn't doing other activities, where I wasn't doing my football on a weekend or American football or whatever it was. I just had that energy. So yeah, that's not going to change, I'm afraid. Wow. But I mean, I kind of, I love it. I mean, it's great. I mean, he's a little inspiration for me. I mean, he gets me out too, because it's just like, wow, well, I guess he can't kick a ball around on his own. So, okay, off we go. But it's also about him using his body as well and, and sort of embracing that and that being allowed to be physical. And I think there's also the side of it where it was okay for him to have got angry and to have got pent up because it's like, well, we're not doing as much as we used to. So it actually, we started talking about it. And we equally talked about the fact that I didn't really enjoy pillow fights. It just, that doesn't work for me at all. The idea of like thwacking my son, it was just like, mommy's not enjoying this. I'm sorry, we're going to have to find something else, but maybe you would like to <laughs> beat the pillow on your own. And it's all, it's all good. It's all good. And it was, it was a, a, an eye-opener for me, in fact. So we spoke about your son, bringing him out, but let's talk about being indoors. It's the part you specialize in designing beautiful homes and I, I've been going through your website and I've seen some amazing articles and one's called just looking at it over called the new comfort and you believe our homes are as significant to our health as diet and exercise so that was, I read that and I was like this could be a, just a great thing to discuss so how important is your your home on your personal health uh, you know I actually believe it it's probably the most important thing because you know you can't create or it's a lot harder to create healthy food in a hectic kitchen you know you are not going to achieve a level of kind of calm surrounded by mess or dirt or if your apartment is dark or drab or it's not to say that we all need to live in the equivalent of a kind of beautiful buddhist temple but it is understanding that there is a direct relation between the things that surround you, the things that you've chosen to surround you, and the sense of calm and contentment that you can find inside yourself. And these things are completely enmeshed as far as I'm concerned. So my kind of belief in the philosophy and that which I sort of discuss at length in the book is very much Okay, so if it's not about subscribing to a specific style, you know, we don't have to live in minimal Zen environments in order to be healthy, but it is about living in a considered environment so that when you're working from home, when you look up, what do you see? When you walk through your front door, what is the first thing that you see? Because these have incredible effects on you. And in fact, kind of when you've crossed your threshold is one of the most 
important places that I talk to people about because when we get home we should especially when the world has gone so bonkers that when we get home we should be able to literally and physically exhale and have that sense of being like oh I'm home I'm safe but if for many people you come through the door and the door catches like on a pile of posts, there's a great big tangle of trainers there, the coats are all hanging on the, the wall or come tumbling over, you know, you've got last season's coat, there's umbrellas, there's mess and stuff. We can already imagine what that's doing to your body. It's kind of like, oh, that just irritation. Even if we're not conscious of it, it will affect you. And so it's kind of like one of the first spaces that you need to clear is the hallway, even if it means just tucking it into the room to the side. I mean, I have a whole bunch of shoes here, but they're not in the hallway. They're literally just tucked into the lounge and it makes a huge difference. And on that end wall is a picture that I love. So when I come home, that is the first thing that I see. And if you extend that then to everywhere, so that no matter where you're looking, and it doesn't have to be that, oh, well, I don't own my home, so it's rented and I don't have choice over this. It's like, I have never met a landlord that hasn't let you paint a place white. So at the very least, you can paint it white and you can blue tack a picture up onto the wall or you can tap it in and you just put a bit of filler afterwards. You know, we, let's not give ourselves excuses here. It is about sort of making a conscious effort and knowing that this stuff makes a difference, not about having a house that is kind of Instagram worthy. I agree. I think when you, when you, when you said about coming into your house, I, I completely agree. And I, I don't have the, the space in, in, in my home. So well, was like, right, we have so many pairs of shoes and we need to do something with this. But we found a really cool bookshelf. So I made it so the shelves were diagonal instead of flat. I put the pins up one so then you could slot your shoes in. And it was right at the door and it looks really nice. And it's a bookshelf with shoes on and it's white. And then I've got we've got white pictures around it. So when you were talking, I was like, completely agree you just I didn't we didn't I didn't ever think oh, I'm doing this for my well-being or anything like that I just thought this space needs to be a nice space or I don't want to come in and just see shoes on the floor so I completely agree exactly because so I bet when you come in and you see that you've got the boost of like the fact that like your hallway's nice and clear also you built that you did that yourself and if you see any shoes it's just like ah a place for everything and everything in its place all of those things kind of add up yes so then I was looking at some um, El Decor, because that's where you were for, was it 13 years? Oh, El El Decoration, the English edition, yeah. Yes. So I was on their website and they they have recent articles because I was really interested to see if they had spoken about homes and workout situations, workout stations at homes. I was really interested to see what those types of magazines would would talk about it. And I found one article about it. It was really interesting, but they were very high end, beautiful, big houses with pretty much home gyms how would you how has exercise or the last 12 months impacted what your environment looks like at home and following on from that what would would you say is the best way for someone who's at home maybe not the biggest space to stay active within their environment um, that's really interesting. I suspect the article you've been looking at is on El Decor, which is the American website, because that seems to me very much like that kind of approach, which to me, I don't I don't really like, to be honest with you, because I think it's about making exercise into something external. It's a bit more showmanship. It's like, oh, here is my home gym. And also that feeling that like if I don't have that, therefore I can't exercise. 
you don't need that. I mean, you can do push-ups against a kitchen counter. They're the perfect height for it. And 10 minutes of doing that will actually have huge benefits for you. And I've made no adjustments to my home at all because the length of a normal three-seater sofa is well long enough to stick a yoga mat in front of. And you literally need enough space to be able to lie down or stand up and stretch your arms out. And in fact, the, the, the portion of my living room, where, which is in front of the TV, actually has a slightly lower ceiling because it has the old beams across it. So actually, if I stand up and stretch up, I sort of I do touch the ceiling, which sometimes is a bit annoying. So I can't be doing any sort of star jumps there. But it's enough space to stretch and to move and and to flex around. And that that that's all you need. I mean, it is incredible, the equipment that's available these days. But. I mean, for me, I've tried to join gyms in the past because I thought, okay, you know, this this will make me do it because I'll use all these other bits of kit. And I just never went. I just, I didn't. Or I'd go and I'd sit in the cafe or I'd use the spa. I even joined a gym that was sort of right underneath my office when I edited the magazine. I still didn't go. I think I literally popped in to buy sandwiches. And so there's <laughs> something about it that actually for me, maybe exercise is, it's quite personal. I, I don't I don't do it for display I don't want to be running and sweating in front of other people and I also don't really want to watch other people running and sweating and huffing and puffing so there was something about that kind of showmanship that really turns me off but if I do it at home it, it ties into what we were talking about before it's like I can do it in my pajamas I mean as, as a woman you know you stick your sports bra on because otherwise you're wobbling all over the place but I can do it in my pajamas or my pants if it's hot but the point is that I'm doing it not the kit that I'm wearing or any kind of fancy pants stuff so I literally have that pair of hand weights that we talked about before and a yoga mat and uh, an exercise ball which at one point was my son's football but it was actually wasn't quite squashy enough so I did get a little exercise ball and that's it. I think that's really interesting because I completely agree. I've got the same size. Um, I've actually got a rug in front of my sofa that I, I roll up and then roll out a yoga mat. And I use exactly the same thing. I do workouts twice a week. We have them on, on the Instagram page. And, and I roll up that mat, roll out a yoga mat, put, turn on the, the Instagram live and off we go. That's literally it. All the space I need. I've got a pair of weights. I chuck them in the understairs cupboard and then, then grab them. And that, that's all I have. And that's I've what I tried you. to say. You watched me. <laughs> I've oh, watched no. it. Yeah. Is it your girlfriend that's standing behind you looking sometimes a little bit less enthusiastic than you are, but also kind of <laughs> time? <laughs> she'll, lo- she'll love that. My fiance, Becca, she's, um, she's, oh, she, she's more committed than I am. She's, she's more committed, but I don't think she likes me telling her what to do. Right. Okay. <laughs> she doesn't like, she, she'll do her own workouts quite a lot, but then if she can't fit them in, she'll come to one of mine and she's like, no, don't like that one. I'll do this. So yeah, I get loads of comments all the time from people saying it's really funny when you say we're going to do something and she just ignores you. She's great. <laughs> she's great at that. And yeah, but Becca's, um, she's exactly, she's exactly the same, same as me. We try to do things in the morning, like you said, to, to kind of get it done. But yeah, she's been really good with her running recently, actually. And I think that's been one of the things that we both didn't really like. We didn't like running, but well, that's it. Yeah, you've got to find the thing that really works for you, haven't you? Because I mean, as I said, I used to run a lot as a child, and I tried to do it again. And it was just like, actually, this is the impact of it, the, the thumping the pavement, it just it wasn't having the same feeling for me at all. And I, I think it, it takes a while to find the thing that just you think, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And so for me, it is it's my old school DVDs. I love like Davina McCall has got one that's like kind of toned in 10, that with um 
I forget what her last name is, but it's Sarah Blendfit on Instagram. And she combines kind of bar exercises with like sort of ballet bar and, and Pilates and yoga and all sorts. And it just switches it up. But it's it's like exercise snacking and like 10 little minute bits. So I can I dip in and out. It's like a little buffet. But you just you don't need all the kit and caboodle. It's just about just doing it and making it normal. So we've spoken about your home and how important it is to your well-being and that we can work out at home within some of your articles as well you talk about open air living and the need to open your windows get that air in and sometimes you just need to chuck on that coat and get outside if people are in those snuggly pajamas or they're feeling demotivated to go outside what would we you say to them to, to encourage them to do so oh gosh it's, it's that sort of the thorny issue of motivation i mean a dog helps because, you know, they need to get outside. And sometimes I think that really works for people because they're doing it for the dog. But then it's also having all these benefits for them. And, it's, you know, it's sort of it's whatever motivates you. But obviously we can't just go and get a dog to sort of make ourselves exercise. I think also then it's that thing that might feel counterintuitive that sometimes if I've been sat indoors a lot writing, I start to feel cold. And so your instinct might be like, oh, okay, I need to put on another jumper or turn the thermostat up a bit. But actually the best thing to do is to get outside, is to just put a little light coat on and just walk. And because that gets your blood pumping around again and you just, you feel so much better. But it is, it's just, it's a mindset thing, isn't it? You just have got to like get over that little hump of kind of looking at going, oh, I just, I can't face it. I want to stay cozy and just go, yeah, but I'm going to feel better afterwards. And there's also the element of choice, isn't there? I mean, step out, go, start, five minutes. If you really just think, oh, this is just not working for me, I'm getting myself in a bad temper, then come home. But at least you tried. And so always, I just, I think it's just, I don't think there's a magic bullet to help people just sort of get up as opposed to, you've just got to do it because I promise you, you will feel better afterwards, but start small as well. I mean, we talked before about this sort of idea of like exercise snacking. I mean, 10 minutes, 10 minutes will make a difference. I mean, I think say my mother who's say 75, I kind of, she loves to drink tea. And so I've said to her like, okay, every time you switch the kettle on, just do a little bit there, stretch, bend, push, you know, just for as long as it takes the kettle to boil. You do that every single time you make a cup of tea, as well as the getting up, that is going to make a difference to you. And when she sort of thought of it like that, she was like, oh, okay, that doesn't really even sound like exercise. And it reminds me as well of like, there's this incredible psychologist, she was kind of um, ran a course at Harvard called Ellen Langer. I mean, I would encourage anyone to pick up her books or look her up, because she once did an experiment with um, hotel chambermaids. And she divided them into two groups. One group was told that like the, the cleaning, the vacuuming, the polishing, all that stuff you do, this is exercise. This will burn this many calories. This will flex your body. This will do all of these things. So they were kind of primed to understand that their daily activity constituted exercise. The other group were just told about the importance of exercise, but not primed to believe that what they already did was exercise. They checked all their biometrics beforehand. I forget how long the study ran for, but the long and short of it is the group that was primed by their thinking to believe that the work that they did already was exercise showed notable differences in muscularity, weight loss and everything. And this was set against a backdrop of no other changes. 
they weren't put on diets they weren't sent to the gym nothing and the point of that is it's like it's all in your head you know i i apply this to age as well it's like how old do you want to be pick a number pick a number and be that age and she also did another experiment around that which you must look up because it's incredible but it's just this idea that if you believe it's going to make you feel better you're halfway there. I think the, the age is quite an interesting one as well because I remember joining a running club and thinking, I'm, I'm all right running. This was, this was in this was February. I was like, oh, I'm okay, I'm short distance, 5K, I'm all right. I can, I can hold myself. I'll, I'll, I'll join this group because they look around the same as me. There's this guy who must have been easily late 60s easily late 60s I think I'm paying quite a compliment as well <laughs> um, and I was like this guy shouldn't be in this group and he was at the front absolutely bombing it and he was a, he had a complete different attitude and thoughts on physical activities just, and it was so just eye-opening for me because I, th- I thought myself I was uh, well my late 20s was going to be the peak of my running career I thought this is the fittest this will be the fittest I'll ever be then I've got this guy who's elite like 70 just showing me up and he said oh I started running when I was in my 40s and it just it just blew my mind so when you said yeah age is just pick a number I completely agree because I've I've seen those starting late and achieving better than I I could ever run so that was quite interesting yeah but- and again it's a it's a mindset thing because you see a lot of people that maybe they turn 50 or 60 and they're like oh well you know I'm 50 I'm 60 I, I can't do that anymore and you're like says who you know, you, you're saying that to yourself. I mean, I see it with my son sometimes when he'll kind of say, oh, I can't do maths. And it's like, if you think you can't, you won't. So let's start off with like, I can do this. Or even like the point is, it's like, we don't say I cannot, we'll say I'll try. And so I think it's with anything. It's like, try it. I mean, to be aware of our limits, of course, because it is suddenly, you know, at the age of 75 to think, right, then I'm going to just go zooming out the door. It's probably <laughs> unwise. But just why limit yourself in your head I mean one of my neighbors is 95 and I mean I had to ask him several times to believe it but he is up he's out he's walking to the supermarket puts his little mask on he's you know he's the most socially kind of connected person that I know of his memory is absolutely astute because he remembers a lifetime of activity but also he'll say oh and how is your mother and how is this and remembers things from my last conversations and I think it's like he makes the effort and he doesn't for one second assume that he's not capable of doing anything so I think on his birthday I think we spoke on the phone and it was like well what are you doing and it's like well I'm steaming myself a little bit of sea bass I'm going to have some vegetables I've got a little bottle of Prosecco here and then I'm going to listen to Vivaldi and I just think, oh, my Lord, my hero, please, could I be like that when I'm 95? Because how amazing. So that leads on nicely. So he might actually be one of your, your inf- inspirational people, because our last question of the day is, uh, we ask this to all of our guests, is we have an in, you have an inspirational dinner party and you have three seats at your table, four including you. So you can invite anyone from like, the past or present who have in- inspired you. Who would you invite? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, it's such a great question. But I thought about it quite a lot. And there's two names of people that immediately came to mind, which is might seem quite odd, actually. But one is Ava Gardner. 
you know, she used to, I think maybe she was married to Frank Sinatra. She was one of the kind of Rat Pack women and a kind of incredible movie star in her own right. And I read her biography and I always just thought like, what a woman. You know, in that time when the whole world wasn't constructed around women, she held her own and she was, you know, she was fierce. So I've always thought I would love to meet her. With her then, Michelle Obama, probably for the same reasons, because I think, oh my goodness, you know, what a strong, capable woman. I would just like to know all her secrets. You know, I want her to kind of mum me, basically. You know, just tell me, tell me all the stuff. How, how do I navigate this world how you have done against everything? And I always remember her, I think it was her phrase of like, you know, when people go low, we go high. And how they just sort of, you know, got through so much. And she had so much stuff thrown at her when um, Barack was in office. You know, that, that was incredible. And then I was really stuck for the third person because I kind of want these two women to myself. But then my father died about three years ago. And I just thought as painful as it would be, I would love to have him back for a couple of hours because I think he would also love to meet these two women. And it would just be incredible to just have him there and go, well, what do you think, dad? You know, because I think he would think they were incredible too. So they, they would be my three, Ava Gardner, Michelle Obama, and my dad. That's beautiful. I think that's two very strong, powerful people, and somebody obviously means quite a deal, quite a lot to you. So I think that'd be a really nice, inspirational dinner. Thank you very much for that. And that leads us to the end of the podcast. So this was such a great episode. If it shows that you're not only passionate about your home, but you're also passionate about physical, mental well-being as well, which I love, and I think our listeners are going to love too. So thank you very much for coming today. Oh, Alex, thank you so much for inviting me. And yeah, to me, they're all linked. You cannot have one without the other, but all of them, you could do little bits and make a huge difference. But thank you. I really love talking to you about this today.